0: Welcome to Skeptics and Seekers. I am your host, Brian, with a Y. I'm sure you're already all confused. Uh, that's going to be a good uh, harbinger of what the show going to be like. But uh, David has handed me the keys to run the show today. So here I am, in a baptism by fire, ready to run this episode of Skeptics and Seekers. Uh, and at this point, I'd like to introduce my guest, the one and only David Johnson. hey. Hey, hey. David, welcome, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on Skeptics and Seekers. I'm sure this is a big step for you.
1: It is, it is. I've always wanted to be a guest on Skeptics and Seekers.
0: <laughs> uh, although, of course, you know, given this is another show between you and I, it's, it's really another episode of Skeptics and Skeptics. But we're going try to try to give this show something for everybody. Oh, you might be surprised. I'm, uh, I'm in a seeking mood today. Oh, so you're going to really test my skeptic creds if you're going to be the seeker side today. Absolutely. <laughs> well, great. This is, this is a really uh, exciting opportunity for me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I am um, thinking that this show should be interesting for the audience as it's got a bit of a follow-on to one of the last shows we did where we granted God and then followed uh, kind of a step-by-step pattern, trying to find out if we could get to a place where we were going to be serving and communicating with God. Uh, And that's really where we're going to get this show uh, started off. Uh, It's called An Honest Search for God. Uh, David, why don't you give me a couple of sentences on what you're thinking about we're going to talk about today with this topic. All
1: right. So uh, as some of you will remember, I kind of put myself out there uh, at the end of last week's show, and I invited the Christian audience to, excuse me, provide me as an unbeliever with some suggestions about how to overcome that unbelief so that i can uh encounter get to know or discover in some some real way your god um so it's it's easy to say that you don't believe something uh, but you know when a significant portion of the world does believe the thing that you don't believe it it seems like a reasonable thing to look into it. Now, I have looked into it, and so I'm in probably the, the most challenging position for Christians. In fact, it is uh, something that Justin Briley has uh, openly called uh, the most challenging uh, thing for him. It's people like me. It's people who have been Christians and for whatever reason have walked away, have lost their faith, uh, have come to believe that what they thought was true wasn't true. How to reach that person is really, really challenging. Um, and I understand that. So I, I want the listening audience to know that I'm not dismissive of your claims, but I am familiar with them. I have been in the inner circle, and I just didn't find, uh, ultimately, truth uh, of, of, or, or God's presence or anything like that while I was there. Now, who knows? Maybe God meant for me to not find him. Maybe he meant for me to walk away for a time. Uh, And I am trying to leave myself in as much of a position as I can to say, okay, I am an unbeliever. That much is true. um, But I I do want to know true things. And if there is a God out there, uh, I would like to know that. Now, what I would do if I found out that there was a god out there besides wet myself, um, I'm not sure. I don't know what the next step is. It Depends on what kind of god it is that I find. Um, you can say the Christian God, but that leaves a, a whole lot of room for a lot of different interpretations. Is it Donald Trump's God? Um, you know, that's a that's a very different type of God than say Randall Rouser's God.
0: So now, now wait a minute. Now wait a minute, David. You're you're assuming that Donald Trump has a God. I'm pretty sure he's got his own picture on that. I'm that uh, idol, right? And that very well might be. <laughs> so <laughs> Donald Trump might be God. I mean, we don't know.
1: Um, I, don't, I don't know. And it's also a, a huge step to say that the God that I find is the Christian God. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I don't know. So uh, some people would say, well, would you worship God if you found him? Well, I don't know. I honestly, that's the real answer. Uh, we, t- we went over this a little bit last week. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really the worshiping kind, whatever other BS I said last week. That was last week. This is this week. (laughs) This week, the real answer is I don't know uh, what my disposition would be toward a God that I found. Because I would have to find the God and then evaluate what it is I found uh, before I knew exactly what it is I I would do, if that makes any sense. So I, I want to keep the door open on the search. And, um, I know that at least one Christian last week didn't appreciate the search or didn't feel like it was, uh, a sincere effort or or what have you. And I, I, at this point, I just don't care about who thinks it's not a sincere effort. That's, that's their problem. Not my problem. My problem as someone who's making a sincere effort to Figure out even if it's possible to search for this God, and if so, how to do how to do so, how to find, how to encounter this God in some way. My problem is just figuring out the details of what it is I'm supposed to do and think and feel. And since I can't get any Christians to help me figure that out, uh, I thought I would go to one of our best thinkers on the board to to help me walk through this. Since we had a a great conversation about the conversation a few weeks ago, uh, I thought maybe he could help me workshop this idea of what it means to have an honest search for god so here i am here we are
0: well thank you david for the for the kind words and the vote of confidence yeah i think this is an interesting conversation um i think you just touched on a really important uh part at the beginning uh that might be worth a few extra uh, minutes talking about which is um having our sincerity doubted um you know i i'm not sure how you can have a conversation with somebody that you think is being insincere so if, if that's the starting point, then I, I don't see how the conversation gets off the ground. Uh, but I do want to throw the Christians a bone. Uh, what do you think are some ways that, that a skeptic or non-believer can, can demonstrate their cred uh, in being sincere in this, in this journey that we're on right now?
1: See, this is, this is a, a, a tough one for me because I... So we've both been Christians. Right. Uh, and if someone had come to me with this kind of um we'll we'll call it a test or challenge or whatever I, it, it's just a failure of language because I don't really feel like I'm challenging God right or, or testing god that's not the that's not the idea um, but if if someone had come to me uh with this I don't know what I would have told them I don't think it would have been a good response because I was the kind of Christian you see who didn't believe in. Uh, atheists anyway. And I, right. th- that takes a little bit of unpacking, but I was, I was very presuppositionalist uh, in that uh, I was a Romans one Christian. Everybody knew that there was a God. And so honestly, if you just take a few minutes of introspection and quit lying to yourself, you, you'll see <laughs> that there's a God. We, so I, I would never have started with the starting point of, uh, trying to discover a God. You, you, he's already there. You've already discovered it. The only thing we need to talk about is what you should do about the fact that there is a God, not how you go about discovering it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's, a, you know, that's, that's a great point. Um, and you know we started to get into that a little bit uh, in the last show um, with Dale, uh, and there were some conversations about that following on on the boards. But i got to admit, I was a little perplexed about um, where that went. Because when we were on the show, I asked Dale to introduce me to his God. And he started talking out loud to God, introducing me to him. But then, you know, not 24 hours later on the boards, he was telling me that, you know, God doesn't speak to us like that. That's silly to expect a non-flesh-and-blood entity to communicate with us like that. So it, it leaves me to question why on the show... Did he try to introduce me to his God that way? So, yeah, I'm a little confused as to how we're supposed to go forward with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a part within the Christian mindset that feels like if anyone is, quote-unquote, searching for God, it is automatically insincere. I don't, I don't think, think the Christian has a proposition where one could make a sincere search for God. So even if, even if they didn't think the way I did, and by the way, I think most Christians do think the way I did. They, they just don't say it out loud now because they know how bad it sounds. But um, I, I think it's part of the defense mechanism that they throw up there because if, if they do encounter someone who sincerely does not believe in God but sincerely would like to find him, then they run into an area of falsifiability. Because here is a person who could potentially not find God. Now, what will they say in that situation when they've got an honest seeker who is honestly doing everything that they suggest and doesn't find God? They're in trouble at that point. And so I think the only thing they can do to avoid that that situation is to... Impugn the character of the person who is seeking, and say right from the beginning, "Well, I don't believe you're serious." In that way, they don't have to go through it.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think I think there's a bit of a defense mechanism going on there as well. It's also possible that uh, these people came to believe in God when they were young. Maybe they didn't use a rigorous adult thinking process, and I don't mean that you know as an insult. I just mean. Like, for instance, for myself, I was, you know, baptized and became a believer when I was very young. Um, And I had to reevaluate things as I got older, as I realized that I couldn't really explain the reasons I believed. It just kind of happened when I was young and I just kind of ran with it. So, you know, maybe there's some uh, discomfort uh, with understanding that you really don't know the reasons why you came to believe in the first place. And now you just act that way now uh, because it's the way you've always thought. So, you know, I think... I think moving forward, we, we have to, uh, you know, just state our case that we're both here trying to be sincere. Uh, and if that, you know, admission isn't good enough for them, then like you said, we have to ignore people that think we're insincere and just go from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to just take the attitude of screw them, but honestly, that's my attitude at this point. Uh, if, if you, if you question my sincerity, screw you, screw you. um, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, <laughs> um, but um, I've been. Through... You, you, you say you say that with such love, David. It comes it, through. Uh, it is you know, that, that's the loving version of screw you. <laughs> uh, it's the kind that Jesus would say. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, it's here's the thing. I've been through too much in my life. I'm. Uh, I'll be fifty in a in a few months. Uh, we will talk about the party and the expected presence
0: later <laughs> david you, you don't sound a day older than 30 i have to say that
1: excellent um yeah no i i have earned my beard
0: <laughs>
1: and um i i i have to tell you i i've been through a lot uh in this life in uh, in a in a variety of ways and it's it's been an interesting life uh but My spiritual life, my religious life, uh, has been the most real, hard-fought aspect of my life. Uh, It has defined me for the longest period of time. And when someone comes along and questions my life experience in that way, I mean I, I I just want him to die in a fire. Uh honestly, I it's it is a it is a personal assault to to take all that I have lived through and all that I have done and tried to do in the name of this god of theirs and just shit on it.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's very well said, um, and yeah, I I I, th- I think it's I think it's right to feel insulted when someone questions something like that. You know, barely knowing you, only interacting with you uh, on a message board, for instance. Yeah, I, I find it extremely presumptuous uh, and disingenuous uh, to say the least. Um, you know, one one reason I think it happens is I, I'm pretty sure it says in the Bible that you know there's no such thing as a non-believer, right? Everybody knows in their heart they're just turning away. They just want to sin. They just want to live their own lives. Uh, you know, so looking at that, that's one item that makes me want to question. You know, the kind of advice that the Bible's giving. But you know, I'm not sure there are many Christians that do that. They just take it as gospel, uh, pun intended, uh, and you know, just run with it. But you know, when if, if I'm not assuming the Bible's right, if the Bible gives me that advice, then I, I'm right away knowing that that's not true because I know that there are non-believers all over the place that are saying so sincerely. So, I find that interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, Romans 1 is a real problem for me. I'm not going to take the time to go to it and read it. I I suggest that everyone just read the whole chapter. Uh, It's very repetitive um, in some ways, but that repetition is useful in that it just keeps hammering home the point uh, in, in a number of different ways. And the point is you are without excuse. There is simply no excuse if you don't believe in this God. If you don't accept this God, you are lying. You are intentionally suppressing the truth so that you can go on sinning. That's that's the thrust of this uh, chapter. Um, there's there's simply there's no excuse for your disbelief. And so when when you talk to Christians who sense that well that may be a, a problematic presentation (laughs) (laughs) you know they will they will try to work around that but at the end of the conversation they are still going to come back to uh well you know it's it's on you somehow it's not on god if if you don't believe it's it's your fault that you don't believe and uh dale's idea is that well there you there could be some period of time that you go through where you're where your disbelief is understandable but as long as you're a true seeker God will reveal himself at some point but that is actually not uh, what Romans 1 says uh, Romans 1 doesn't even give you that much grace you you don't have there's no point in your uh, adult let's say uh, the, the part of your adult life where you're accountable for your sins. There's no part of that where you're excused for not believing.
0: Yeah, I, um, I've, I've struggled a little bit with, um, with Dale's real seeker um, paradigm. Uh, I'm not sure that it's, there's a biblical uh, basis for that. It seems to me to be a post-hoc rationalization for why there are atheists, why there are atheists for a long time. Uh, and it basically throws the, you know, the the um the decision point to a place that we can't analyze right after you die. We don't even know if there's anything after we die or if we can make a decision or review new evidence uh, or anything like that. So, you know, the real seeker until the point of no return um, set up. I'm not sure where it comes from other than just as a way to let God off the hook and to put it back to a, an unfalsifiable proposition.
1: It, it really does feel like that. And as once again, as a Christian, I would not have held to this idea of uh, as long as you're a real seeker, then you're okay. Uh, if you were not a Christian, you were going to die in your sins. It's, it's that simple. If you die right now, there's no second chance after you die. God's not going to come to you with another offer. You've got the offer. This is it. Your your rejection of this offer makes you in sin, in an enemy of God, right now. Right now. You may be a real seeker right now, but here's the thing. You haven't found now. If you die now, you're going to burn in hell
0: now. Yeah, that was my understanding of um of things when I was a Christian as well that there wasn't a a do over shootout after the game was over and it ended in a tie for instance right and um,
1: your disbelief was your fault so you have no god does not owe you some additional help finding him he's already given you all of the help you're going to get he he created the the universe just look up you see the stars great it, then you know God exists. We don't even need to talk about that anymore. Uh, so this idea of, uh, well, you're being a real seeker, no, that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have played in any of the churches um, that I attended. Because the fact of the matter is, um, God's, God's already revealed himself to you. And if you were a real seeker, you would already be acknowledging that. So the fact is, there, you know, any time you have disbelief or doubt, that's on you. That's not on God. God doesn't owe you anything from that.
0: And I, uh, and I disagree with that, obviously, that, 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 that framing of it, right? Because if there's, two, if there's two individuals that are trying to have a relationship, then at the very least, I would say that they have equal responsibility to meet in the middle and to, to form the relationship. If one of the parties is ducking me, Uh, behind corners or, you know, under blankets or in some other dimension that I can't access. It seems a little bit strange to to blame me when there's a divine being hiding on another plane. I mean, uh, how is that my fault that I can't get access to him?
1: So we're going to talk about hiding here um, a little bit later. But I just, so it's, I think it's more fundamental than that. God has already revealed himself to you. So whatever, whatever your miracle you're requesting, he already did that. He created the universe. That should be enough, right there. Uh, cosmological argument. You know, if you can translate that to Paul's Romans one uh, speech, that should already be enough. Uh, the the argument from design, I suppose, would would correspond well with the, with Romans one. Uh, so he's already done that. What what are you looking for? Jesus, when he was talking to uh, the Jewish leaders of his day, and they got frustrated with him uh, in the in the book of uh, John. And they said, Well, you just tell us outright. Just no more of this mysterious goop. Are you uh, the son of God or not? <laughs> you know, are you the are you the one that sent? Yes or no? Just tell us. Jesus said, Look, you should have already believed based on the miracles that you've seen me do. So You're not going to take my word for it. You ought to at least believe based on on the miracles. And this is how the Christian thinks. There have already been enough miracles. So whatever miracles you've heard about, whatever, there's been enough magic around you that you should already have the answer to that question. Um, Jesus was raised from the dead. What else do you want uh, as far as miracles? Uh, your uncle's uh, great niece had her eczema cured because someone prayed for her. What other miracle do you want?
0: Yeah, there's an interesting retort to that, right? Because the the you know God's behavior seems to belie that interpretation, right? I mean, He Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, right? So you know why wasn't Paul? Uh, not supposed to be a believer until he had to have this amazing experience from of, of the risen Jesus himself, right? How come he gets uh, a Damascus experience and we don't? We're stuck with looking at the trees. I'm sorry, but that's not a fair uh, way to to dole out evidence to your to your subjects, is it?
1: So I'm I'm glad you brought up the matter of fairness because uh, my blog post this week. Mostly centers around the idea of fairness, and so if it's okay, let's let's look at some of those some of the traditional suggestions. Yeah, that, let's do that. That you get from Christians and figure out if it's fair. I think before getting to that, just I want to I just want to uh, hang a lantern on this for discussion uh, later this week. Uh, is the idea of an honest atheist in the first place? Uh, can there be an honest atheist? And I know that uh, you know, Dale is not on the show, but speaking for Dale, uh he would say, yes, there can be an honest atheist. I don't exactly know how he justifies that. Uh and it's part of his real secret criteria. But a lot of Christians don't believe that there can be. And so I just want to say that in order for Christians to to follow this conversation, you have to at least be able to get on board with the idea uh, that people in your life presenting as atheists are, are telling the truth about their disbelief. Uh, that they are not suppressing the truth somehow for some nefarious intent. Because if, if you don't buy that, if you, if you uh, as, as Brian said earlier, if you start this off by thinking that we're just insincere, we can't have this conversation. We we can't go forward. There's nothing that you can say to us or that we can say to you that can help. Um, and so I think there has to be uh, some, some acceptance, uh, especially from the Christian here, that we are what we present as being.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. I think we should move forward uh, with that lantern hung. I think that's a good, good point.
1: Okay. Um, so what are we what are we um what do we have here? Man, I'm wording?
0: Uh, <laughs> scroll, I think scroll, we, we scroll. I think I think we got to the point talking about fairness and equality. Okay. I think I think this is an important point. Um and I think it, it it's a a fair criticism that God is doling out evidences and proofs uh, in different amounts, in different ways, to different people over different time. Um, you know, I would imagine that an all-powerful deity would be able to, to zap everybody equally the same in a convincing manner to give them that information. So, so what's going on here? Why, why do we see this uneven playing field, do you think?
1: Yeah, so this is, this is one of the things that bothers me whenever uh, I'm talking to a Christian at all. In fact, whenever I contemplate a Christian is, how did you become a Christian? It, it, you know, it, aren't we all equally broken? Uh, we're we're in this sinful world, and so we're 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 broken uh, in in the same way. Uh, and I guess I keep harping on this the same way because that's pretty important to me. If you'll allow me to read this um, passage. Uh, in fact, you've got it in front of you. Can you read the passage that I um, took? I didn't, I didn't cite the verse, but it's after the it's quote. A quote from, is it the
0: quote, the quote from Paul? In, yes. Gotcha. So uh, Paul is uh, uh, said to have said, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. there is no one who does good, not even one yeah. Wow, i'm pretty I'm pretty bummed having haven't read that right i mean it's <laughs> it's pretty emphatic uh,
1: and so it, if that is the state of humanity, by the way, I just disagree um, completely that that describes humanity um. But if that's, if I do think that that's how the Christian has to look at humanity, uh, naturally, because we need saving, right? And so if that, wasn't in, if that wasn't our condition, then we wouldn't really need saving, would we? Um, so but that said, if that's really our natural state, how do you ever come from that state to seeking God in the first place? Uh, because it, it's, it says no one seeks God. There, there is no one who seeks God, so I mean if that is if that is our natural state of being, why would anyone ever seek him um, so just starting there philosophically how do how do you how do you get to that to to a state of totally depraved um, and not seeking God to wanting to seek God in the first place why would anyone ever want to seek God?
0: Yeah, it certainly doesn't it certainly doesn't come from from analyzing this first, right? And and thinking about, you know, who's responsible for the state that I'm in in the first place, right? I'm I'm only a mortal man. I was, you know, born, you know, not long ago in the grand scheme of the universe. How can I be responsible for the state of depravity that I was foisted into in the first place?
1: Right. And even if you say, well, you know, humans, humans caused this problem. Well, but I didn't cause it. Right These were humans way before me, so um, it's, not, it's not my fault that uh, my every thought is evil and that I'm <laughs> so. yeah. i 'm worthless. so
0: I would have been completely content to play volleyball on the other side of the Garden of Eden and stay away from the tempting tree yeah. with the snake with the legs, right I would yeah. have been happy to, to be drinking from the fountain of the best beer in the land on the other side of the garden. I mean, you had, there was no work. <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> right. So, um,
1: I don't, I don't know. I, I feel, um, that this requires some explanation. Now, uh, the only explanation I've heard anyone attempt to give is, well, you're right. and the only way to come to a place where you would want to see God is if God gives you that spark, if if God comes into this broken world and gives everyone, uh, you know, a taste of his spirit, uh, enough to nudge them in the right direction, okay, um, let's just accept that. And the question still stands, why do some people seem to get a better nudge than others? Uh, because some people, they get that spark and they seek God and they find him right away and they're... You know, there he is. Uh, they recognize their sinful condition. They and other people, they get the same spark, and they don't. So it, it seems to me that we're not all getting the same spark,
0: right? And and it's and it and it shows that you know, with people with coming to this you know to this decision with uh, very different backgrounds, very different information, very different experience. Um, you know, you would think that there there would be convincing evidence for 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 the individual right it, it may not be exactly the same for everybody but it should be of the same kind right i mean if i'm if i'm trying to introduce somebody to you david um, you know i i'm not gonna tell you that you know no you need to go out in the world and go find this person you don't even know what state they live in right so you know i, I would imagine there's going to be some basic bare bones uh, conv- uh, uh things that need to be um the basis before you could even move forward to maybe what someone individually needs specifically
1: Now, thinking like the Christian, I imagine one response would be, ah, but God is giving us the same spark, but then that's where free will kicks in. So, uh, you know, the Christian has simply used their free will properly to, uh, accept God and the atheist is using their free will to reject and, I reject that notion, too, <laughs> because that's um, that's kind of using free will like a, a hand-wavy magic wand. It doesn't explain the mechanism of what's going on, and I need a bit more of a mechanistic explanation. So uh, if, uh, you know, Teddy gets the spark, and she becomes a Christian, and I get the same spark, and I reject it, what is she... Uh, doing on a practical level that I'm not doing what did she will to do that I didn't will to do because if we take belief off the table I can't will to believe something um what what did she do that I didn't with my free will
0: exactly what you know what, why why is there this different outcome and you know to what extent you know is it the responsibility of the god to, to change up the tune, right? If I'm trying to convince you that Mozart is a good musician and I present you one piece of his music and you listen to it and say, that's terrible. Well, then I'm doing a terrible job of convincing you Mozart's good if I just keep jamming you with the same piece of music that you've listened to and you don't like. You know, he's got a lot of different things I can point to, to say, hey, check out this other thing or check out this other thing. So if spark A isn't working for me, are you telling me that there's no other sparks to offer you that you've got nothing else to, to show. And if, if that's the case, then I've done my job. I, I'm the real seeker. I looked at spark a, that's all you got to offer and, and I'm not interested. So, so it seems I, interesting.
1: I would, I would actually put a, a lantern on this too, for, for further conversation. And is the unbeliever somehow doing something wrong by, un, by not believing? Because if, if it's wrong to not believe how do you fix that? Uh, what, what, what is the practical thing that, that we do, uh, that, that Christians are doing, that we're not doing? See, I, free will just doesn't answer that question for me. Because you're not telling me what the use of free will is that got you into a state of belief and me into a state of non-belief. There's got to be something more than that. And it's something that I don't feel like I have control over.
0: Yeah, especially, especially if you go with the definition of belief as being convinced of something, right? It's not an—it's not something you do of an, an act of volition. It is—it is something that happens to you, as the result of coming into contact with evidence and argument and and things that convince you. So yeah, I I, I would I I think you start veering into belief being some sort of an act of devotion, some sort of ritualistic activity. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to go there until I'm convinced, right? I, I don't agree that uh, doing ritualistic activity is going to get me to believing. It, it might make me look like I'm believing to other people, but that's not how I become convinced of something.
1: And yet, I'm fairly sure that uh, most churches are full of people who are going through ritualistic activities who are not actually convinced. Um, but that's another subject. I... Um, I digress. Um, what about the, what about uh, when Christians start suggesting things that seem like are above the head or beyond the, the ability of most other Christians? I mean, that feels wrong to me. It's like there's a, a, a different set of criteria. Uh, there's a set of criteria for you, and there's a set of criteria for me, and mine might be harder than yours. Um. So that's, that's when things start feeling unfair. Um, to me, Christianity is something that has to be graspable. And if we're only talking about you know, what, what Dale would consider the, the average reasonable person, you've, you've got to, it's got to be something that can appeal to and be grasped by the, uh, what we might call the lowest common denominator, the simplest of those people. Uh, so if if Christianity can be grasped in a simple way by a simple person, then it should also be accessible to me in the same way uh, so if 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 one person can can understand Christianity uh, with a fourth grade education, I should be able to understand Christianity with a fourth grade education but instead it's it said no no, no. You need to get a uh, advanced college degree education for you to understand it. So that's that's where it, the unfairness feels wrong. If it should be accessible to the lowest common denominator, uh, which is a simple kind of uh, method of belief, and yet the kinds of suggestions that I get uh, are way higher uh, than what the simplest person uh, would be expected. In fact, the, the kinds of suggestions that that Christians have given me are things that most Christians have never done themselves. You know? Yeah. Even, even, though we've never done these things, you are going to have to do these things. If, if you want to truly see God, that's, that's what feels wrong to me.
0: And this, this reveals to me uh, the attitude that they have, that getting to the destination is more important than the journey, right? They really don't care how you get there. They just want you to get there. Uh, but I, that that to me is backwards, right? I, I'm going to get to good places if I use a good process to get there. Maybe not always, maybe over time, but it's not a matter of I need to pick any cockamamie method I can just to make sure I get to the answer. How do I know the answer is good if I get there by using some method that that isn't um, uh, proven to demonstrate good results? So… Um...
1: I'm gonna plow through a little bit of this because I want some discussion on the other side. Um what, what about the the matter of being open? So I'm told that I have to be open to uh, to the, the truth of of God, to the to the possibility of God. So we we've had some discussion about openness on the board, uh and I have try to explore this idea publicly and I got my lunch handed to me by my friends. Thank you. Um, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, yeah, I got, I got gang tackled by my own team. Um, yeah, that
0: that must not have felt very good from your perspective. That's that's loyalty for you. Uh,
1: (laughs) No, that's fine. I don't, (laughs) I don't actually have a problem with that at all. I find it, um, entertaining. Um, but, um, the fact of the matter is uh when christians talk about being open i think they mean something that maybe you don't mean uh because when i when christians make this suggestion uh it doesn't land uh to me in the same way as when you talk about open so i am open in the sense that there is no true thing in the universe that if you uh, showed me convincingly that I wouldn't believe. Right, I, I'm open to leprechauns. Now, let's be clear. I don't believe in leprechauns. I think it's kooky to believe in leprechauns. Uh, I am not searching out any information for leprechauns. I have not read any 700-page uh, documents on uh, why leprechauns might be real that said i'm open to the point that if le- if there was convincing evidence uh that somehow leaked out and into the world uh and and i saw it and and i found it convincing i would believe in leprechauns so that's that's about as open to leprechauns as i can be uh without pouring significant amounts of my life into the study of leprechauns. By the way, I don't see why it would matter if I studied leprechauns or not. Because let's say I did. Let's say I spent the next 10 years deep searching leprechauns and I found nothing that convinced me. Well, the Christian or the leprechaunist would say, well, just because you didn't find anything in your search doesn't mean that leprechauns aren't real and you need to remain open. So, um... I'm not, I'm not sure what Christians mean exactly by remain open. I think what they really mean is you need to have a part of your uh, mental, and emotional lifestyle that uh, acts as a spark of faith in the thing that you're looking for. And that's something I don't have. I don't have the faith. And if I can't search for the thing without having any faith, then it's no good. Um, there's no part of me that believes that God exists. That doesn't mean that I'm not willing to look anyway. If you, if you tell me that he exists and there's some, there's some way to find him, I'd like to know, but there's still no part of me that thinks it's true. And so I, am not sure, um, if there's anything that I can reasonably do or say that would cause a Christian to say, well, you're, you're open to the possibility so before before I go to my next objection about openness, I just want to throw that over to you and see if you have any insight on that.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't get. I don't get the sense that they mean the same thing when they're saying openness, because as you you know saw when you threw out the request, what should I do to come to belief? you got a lot of either really nebulous upper level, you know, be open, be a real seeker, which is really not actionable. Or you got these, um, you know, bridge too far, you know, go get three PhDs, then get back to me, you know, which doesn't feel like a, like a sincere attempt at, at giving you something to do to actually come to belief. Um, and I think, again, this shows that they're not concerned about the process. They're just concerned about the end. Whatever it takes for you to get there, just get there. But that, to me, isn't being open. That's just assuming the conclusion. So, so if all you're asking me to do is assume the conclusion, then, then I can't do that. Because I know from where I sit that assuming the conclusion, I can assume anything. I can assume the opposite. I'll assume that God doesn't exist. And you would, you would rail against me for, for using a bad process if I assumed that God didn't exist. So you know why, why is what's good for the goose not for the gander? And, and it, just, it just strikes me as, as, as not, not an appropriate way to come to believe
1: yeah and i I think even beyond defining what openness is i don't I don't like the idea of openness as a uh method of epistemology anyway um religiously uh God never really required anybody to be open um maybe he maybe he did but that does that's not a universal requirement um first of all just anecdotally uh i've I've talked to hundreds of Christians who said that they were that, you know they didn't believe in God until blank and and then they started to believe in God and whatever that blank is but they weren't they weren't actively seeking God uh they were actively seeking their next hit of drugs or their next drink or whatever they were God wasn't a part of their life they weren't open to God uh anyway but god they encountered God anyway. Um, the apostle Paul was not seeking uh Jesus. and he, he was a Jew, so he obviously believed in uh Yahweh, but he didn't believe any part of the Jesus story at all. He wasn't seeking Jesus at all. He wasn't open to Jesus at all. In fact, if anyone starts babbling about Jesus to Paul, he's gonna kill him. That's about as <laughs> not open as you can get.
0: <laughs> that's pretty close if you yeah. yeah
1: that's that's and, and yet, um, God comes to him. And so I don't, I don't actually uh, buy into this notion of, you know, you've got to be open to the possibility of God in the first place. If, if God wants you to know who he is,
0: you're going to know who he is. Another example that comes to mind in thinking about this is, is uh, doubting Thomas. He was open and said exactly what it would take for him to believe that Jesus had risen. So, you know, he, he laid it all on the line. He said, this is what I need. And he was given it. And then he was scolded for doing it wrong, right? You you're you know, thanks for laying out your, your open process for how you can get the belief, but shame on you. You should have you believed without seeing. So, you, you know, again, it, it just further shows that, that this openness uh, is so nebulous and vague that I'm not sure it actually carries the weight that they think it does.
1: So um, another one of my objections where, where the Christian suggestions don't feel fair is the amount of time you have to put into this active seeking. Um, they don't, they don't like putting limits on, on searches. Right. Um, but life is limited. <laughs> so we, we do have to put limits on things. Uh, but for the Christian, well, you know, you should seek forever. Uh, once again, this is, this is a particularly a Dalian, uh, idea, if there are other Christians with other ideas about how long you should search, uh, you know, step out uh, and let me know what a reasonable limit was. I uh, I initially said that I would do whatever the Christian suggested for a month and uh, immediately told, well, that's a limit, and just be- because you have that limit means that you're not an honest seeker, because a real seeker wouldn't have any lim- limits on time. But I think that time is kind of an important thing. So if you, if you go back to the Bible verse, um, where we, we get the idea of seeking in the first place, um, ask and it shall be given. Uh, by the way, Andrew, um, uh, was the person who highlighted this point for me, uh, ask and it shall be given. Uh, so there's an expectation there. If, If you just read the verse in a normal human way, ask, and it will be given. Your expectation is that you will ask for something and you will get something. And it is not a regular human expectation that you will not get the thing, you know, for 40 years <laughs> or, you know, until you die. There is a, there is a kind of an immediate gratification, uh, implied that if you ask for the thing, you will get the thing. And there, there won't be some period of time that passes so that you think you didn't get the thing, if if you see
0: what I mean. Yeah, this 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 reminds me of the you know the the paradigm for prayer, right? There's three answers to prayer: yes, no, and maybe in the future. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can't lose that game, right? If, you know, if I if you can pray to me, David, and I can give you a you know successful prayers answered if the if the frame I can use is. Yes, no, or maybe at some point in the future, right? I, I think I could be prayed to right. uh, under, that, under that unfalsifiable criteria.
1: Right, so whatever this passage is referring to, it, it's giving you an expectation that you're going to get what you asked for and that, that you're not going to go through this wilderness of wondering whether you got it or not. Um, the, uh, another one of the metaphors in that verse is knock and it will be open to you so think of think of yourself at a door. Um, you knock on the door. maybe you don't know whether there's someone on the other side or not, but you knock on the door. The door either opens or it doesn't open, but what you don't do is you don't stand there knocking for three days <laughs> waiting waiting for it to be open you have a there's a there's a certain immediacy to that. Now, um, as someone who has done sales, I've done door-to-door sales, uh, uh cold call, warm calls, I've done it all. Uh but so when you're going to a door and you you know, you're just kind of cold knocking. You don't know whether someone's there or not. You, you give a knock. You wait uh maybe 10 seconds, you give another knock. You wait another 10 seconds and you take your heel And you move on to the next door (laughs) because, um, you know, there's, there is a reasonable amount of time that you can expect someone to hear the knock and then start stirring toward the door or to call out and say, I'm coming just a minute. Or who is it? There's, there's a reasonable expectation that there will be a response of some kind to the knock. And if you do not get that response within a reasonable expectation, you are reasonable in assuming that nobody's home.
0: Right, imagine imagine what your supervisor would say coming back from your first day of work with your bag of samples completely full and he asks what happened. He said, "Well, I didn't I didn't sell anything today, but I did go to one door and I stayed there for 8 hours I knocked. hoping that they that they would open the door and I would be able to sell to them, right?" You're knocking it, yeah, I, I knocked on that door with the best – I was as open as I could be as I was knocking that door. Knock the hell on that door. Um. So yeah, and this, this I think reveals when we're dealing with a deity who, again, his properties are amorphous. He's on a plane beyond our ken. We can't know his ways. There's no way for us to determine what's reasonable or not when the space is ill-defined you know, and in fact may be completely beyond our comprehension as humans. So yeah, I I couldn't tell you what would be reasonable because I don't have the data. Whereas, like you say, as a salesman going door-to-door, I do have a reasonable expectation of what I should be doing at a door before I move on. Right, and these
1: are the metaphors that that, um, Jesus is using here. So ask, and you'll be given. Knock, the door will be open, And that's where we find uh, seek, and you shall find. Uh, And so it seems odd that the Christian would take... This particular metaphor and say, oh, but that's an unlimited amount of time. It's not an unlimited. It's it's sitting there with two other metaphors where we reasonably uh, have a reasonable expectation of a time limit. Seek and you shall find means that if you have looked for some this thing that it's talking about. Once again, I'm not going to uh, go into what it is. This passage is. It's talking about specifically, but there's a reasonable expectation that if you seek it, you will find it, uh, and not, you know, sometimes so much later in your life that you gave up looking for it in, in the same way that you ask and expect to be given that you knock and you expect the door to be open, you seek and you expect to find. And if you don't, uh, you are reasonable in expecting that it's not there, uh, to be found. But you, it is unreasonable to say, oh, well, you just should keep seeking forever because eventually
0: you'll find it. This is kind
1: of like trying to find a loophole for this passage and explaining why it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't think there is one. I think, I think we've kind of nailed on the issue there, which is we, we, we don't know what a reasonable time frame is. So we're doing the best we can. And if we're wrong, then it's up to the person on the other side of the door to open the door right if i if 've screwed up and I walked away too soon, open the door and come chase me down the walkway right. which by the way,
1: has happened uh, to me many times in sales um, <laughs> it, it actually has um, because you know I, because when you hear that uh, knock on the door when, you're, when your phone rings, this happens with um, used to happen more uh, with phones it doesn 't happen so much now because people are fed up with phones. Uh, but it used to be that you get a phone call. I'm sure that you've experienced this too. You get a phone call, you know, you're in the shower, you're cooking, your hands are full of grease, whatever, whatever's going on. And you know, you make a mad dash for the phone and you miss it and you pick up your phone and you look at it and you call the number back because, because you want to know what it is you've missed. You want to make sure that you didn't miss anything important. So yes, at some point, um, you know, when a person is, is there seeking it's it's on you to make sure that they find it. Um and so we we can then negotiate what a reasonable time is, but I think in, in human terms, a reasonable time is fairly immediate. Uh you know, if if, if I'm told that there is a buried treasure uh in a field and X marks a spot and I go to the spot and I start digging, uh I've dug six feet, and I haven't encountered anything. How, you know, how far down are we going? Are we going to China?
0: Right. We, 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 need, we need to know what the prior, you know, thinking about this in Bayesian terms, you need the prior probability information. And with the deity, I don't know how we can even begin to, to cast those probabilities to know how, how long to dig for.
1: So my, my last objection um, to what Christians typically su- suggest um, is miracle stories, and I won't spend much time on this because I've talked about this before. But it's very important to me. Miracles are a very impar- important part of the Christian story, and it's a very important disconfirmation if you if you don't get one. But um, I think that Christians are just very confused on on the whole miracle idea. I listened to a podcast not too long ago, just just a day ago, in fact, on on miracles. Uh, that was done on uh, Dale 's show, I recommend that people uh, give give that a listen it 's a pretty good show but it's it 's very frustrating because what Christians will tell you with regard to experiencing God uh, is that you should believe it 's kind of like Jesus you should believe because of all the miracles okay well so what you 're telling me is that there are miracles that have been done. For other people, and they've told their story, and I should believe on the basis of that. I should believe on the basis of a story of a miracle, and that is inherently unfair to me because God gave that person a miracle, <laughs> right? So if there's a story of a miracle, that means that God performed a miracle directly for somebody, That's, that's, that's what has to happen if there's going to be a story generated from it. And so I'm immediately, um, put on edge and, and left to wonder, well, why didn't God just do a miracle for me? He did a miracle for that person and they told a story. But they didn't believe because of the story of a miracle. There were, there were millions of stories of miracles before God did the miracle for that person. <laughs> that person didn't believe. But God did a miracle for them, and now they believe. And I'm supposed to believe on the basis of their story. And I, I'm a little bit like Thomas. Now, I don't want to believe on the basis of your story. I, I want to see what you saw. I want to experience what you experienced. And I, it, it's not asking too much of, a, of an un, omnipotent God to provide a convincing miracle for everybody. I mean, if you could do it for one person, uh, don't do it for one person and leave the rest of us uh, to just trust the story. Do it for all of
0: us. Yeah, and, and, um, and it, it makes me think that by God doing a miracle for anybody, he's already admitting that some people require miracles to believe. So if that's true a second-hand story about a miracle is not a miracle. So you're already not giving me what you've deemed you need to give to some other people, and here I am still not believing, so when comes my miracle? You've already admitted, like, you can't now go back and say, well, you should believe without the miracle. You've already admitted that that's part of the, the process. Some people get a miracle. So if here I am, it's been this long and I'm not believing, then when, when does my miracle come?
1: So... Right. So I, I, I hope there's some conversation around that, too. Um, the whole miracle discussion for me, uh, it, it dies the moment it starts, uh, usually. And um, because it always starts with the Christian either, A, trying to prove that miracles are possible and or B, that miracles have happened to other people in the past. And neither one of those things matters to me in the least bit. Neither, neither, neither one of those things. Hell, I could almost grant both things and they wouldn't matter. Because what matters is I haven't experienced the miracle. And I could. You see, it's, it's nothing for this God to give me a convincing experience as he, as he did these other people in the stories. And so it's, it's kind of like telling a person who's dying of cancer, oh no. Cancer cancer has been cured. I know a guy who is cured from cancer. That person doesn't need a story of a cure. He needs a cure. Exactly. So, uh, you know, the miracle discussion could just end right away. It could just end, at least for me, by experiencing a miracle. And uh, I, would just, I would immediately become a, a disciple, an evangelist, uh, for miracles and the fact that it that it can happen, and furthermore, however it happened for me, I would encourage other people to uh, experience in the same way and if and if it happened for me, but all of a sudden it couldn 't happen for other people, then I would begin questioning my own experience. But if it happens for me in a way that it can also happen for other people, you bet i 'd be on the forefront of uh, of championing that so um That's where I am with that. I feel like the Christian is asking something unfair of me. They're asking me to believe in the story, as opposed to believing in the experience that they got. Um,
0: Yeah, that seems wrong. Yeah, the the story completely pales in comparison to the actual miracle experience. So it's you're really watered it down heavy if you're expecting me to believe a story about a miracle. Uh, because you've taken a big step down, uh, and is you know one other thing on miracles just before we move on from them is you know I'd love to get some clarity on what exactly a miracle is. You know I've heard they're low probability events, they're rare events, they could be mundane events that God does specifically. You know, finding my car keys with the help of God is supposed to be a miracle to some people, uh, but I find my car keys every day. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to drive my car. So you know how do we how do we actually define what this miracle is that we're looking for? Uh, And the other thing that a miracle is not is some mysterious event that we can't explain yet, right? There's a big leap from I don't know what this is to, oh, my, it's a miracle. But I I feel like that gap gets glossed over, specifically around talking about the shroud, which is supposed to be a miracle. But the entire gap that leaves me from finding the shroud convincing is the part of the conversation that always gets ignored. I, I I get shoved more information about blood clots and radio dating than the explanation from where you've got this, this science info, so, so to speak, to where the fact that it's a miracle. So, you know, we've we got to stop ignoring that part of the conversation if you're going to even get me closer to, to thinking that a miracle is possible.
1: Yeah, and there's also, a, a certain, I know, I, it's my last, my last word on this. This is not a, a miracle show part two or three or four. Um, but there's, there's a certainty issue with regard to miracles uh, that I can't get past. So when I look at the miracles of the Bible, there, there are a lot of things that uh, kind of stand as hallmarks for those miracles and how they're different from the quote-unquote miracle claims of today. One of the ways that is different is that we had people who were quote-unquote miracle workers. They were known miracle workers. We knew that they could perform miracles. Oh, there that person is. Uh, let's go to them and ask for a miracle, and they would just do it on the spot, uh, whether there were people around or not, uh, whether there's cameras around or not, they would just do it. Boom, there it is. It's a miracle. We expect them to be able to do a miracle. They say they can do a miracle. They go up and they do it, and it's done. There's no drama about the thing. Um, today, we don't find that. So we, what we find are kind of... After the fact, miracles, and if you look at these scans six months later, um uh, you know and and if you talk to this uh doctor who saw the case uh who whose experience we can't question or or look into further, no, what we should be able to do today is, oh, there's a holy man right there who says he can do miracles. There's a hospital right there. And there's a person who's about to be declared dead by the doctors. Oh, there you see the man. He walks into the hospital uh, and he says, move out of the way, doctors. You on the hospital bed there with all of the tubes sticking in, in you. Uh, get up and walk out of here. We, we do not see that. And that's the kind of Jesus uh, slash disciple miracle that we see in the Bible. We don't see that kind of miracle here. So there's always a cloud of, of doubt and something that takes away the certainty of the event that uh you know, the stories of the miracles in the Bible, they didn't have that cloud. It was just people who could do miracles and they walked in and they did them.
0: Yeah, that's a good I think that's a a good point. And I think it's it's why there's, you know, good reason to be skeptical about it.
1: Yeah. So um we've, we've spent uh, an hour outlining my problems with Christian suggestions. So I don't actually think Christians are capable of suggesting more than this kind of stuff. So does the search end there? Say it does not. Um, So, if the Christians can't help me find their God, what can you and I do to find their God? Now, this feels a little bit like building the Tower of Babel, uh, which was a group of people uh, who got together to build a tower to heaven, and God didn't like it, and so he smashed it and confused their languages. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't want to get smashed Uh, And I don't want my language confused, (laughs) but (laughs) I mean, at some point, okay, God, you're there. I can't, Christians won't tell me how to find you. I will try to find my own way to find you. That seems to be the next logical step. Uh, Because at the end of the day, maybe this God or this God's representatives could point to you and say, well, if you didn't like any of their suggestions, what did you do on your own to try to find God? Well, I don't want to say nothing. So, what can I do to try to find God apart from Christians helping me do it? And and it's clear that Christians have no interest in helping me do
0: it. I think I think this is a this is a good a good question uh, and one that I think deserves some time spent on it. Um, what I'm you know in, in listening to you set it up like that and thinking about where to go forward. I, I feel like I'm stuck with a problem of, of defining what we're finding. How do I know what to look for if I don't know what I'm looking for? You know, if I, David, if I sent you a quick email and said, Dave, can you find the thing that's in the place? You know, How would you even begin to try to do what I asked you to do?
1: I got it right here. It's right, <laughs> it's right here. It's, it's, <laughs> a, uh, it's a small leather, fake leather, um, what do you call it, a cup, um, a coaster, uh, it's it's very thin, uh, and it's what I put on all of my tables and things. I've got six of these uh, laying around the house. So yeah, I've got the thing. It was in the place. Uh, done.
0: Right. So 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 you win because you know you no matter what you picked up, no matter what you pointed to, no matter what you found in the other room, the answer was right. And I feel like that's what we've seen with the, you know, kind of the history of religion and God belief on uh, humanity, right? That's why we have all these different gods in these different places with these different attributes and, and, and personification traits. Um, it's because people are doing what you and I just did there, which was we get to decide what it is that we're looking for. But that's not what I'm trying to do when I'm looking for God. I'm, I'm, I'm supposedly looking for something specific, that I can't even define, and I can't even uh, identify, even if I found it. How do I know that God's not under my foot right now? So, you know, I, I, I feel like there's a struggle, which is why we end up turning to these other people, to these other books, for, you know, an idea of what it is we're looking for. But I think as we've, you know, gotten through this process, we found that that's not working either.
1: Fine, well, uh, forget those people. What are we looking for? Um, I, I think that we could probably agree that we're looking for a... Being uh, an an agent, an intelligent agent. So let's start there. Um, not especially interested in calling something a god that doesn't think. You know, that that doesn't have at least the the amount of will that I have.
0: Right. So if we're looking for an intelligent agent, then that agent should have a way of reaching out to us in a way we can understand. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh,
1: yes. Yes. I, um, I almost went the other way, just to, for the sake of interest, <laughs> but I can't do it, honestly. So, yes. Um, that They must have a way of reaching out to us or uh, or at least a way of us recognizing that they are an agent But I don't want to put too much of a limit on it because maybe they are are an agent and they do have a way of reaching out to us, but they just don't want to.
0: Right. And if that's – this is, I guess, where I was going with this, right? If that's the case, then that, from my perspective, looks no different than an agent that doesn't exist at all. So there is nothing I can do. There is no seeking. There is no process. Uh, Otherwise, I would be spinning my wheels literally doing you know, kabuki trying to, to, to get to an answer without any idea whether what I was doing had any sort of effect on what I was trying to accomplish.
1: Okay. Um, so this is, this is a uh, family-friendly show, but c- can you describe what it looks like when you do kabuki? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I probably could. Okay. But I would have to admit that I'm lying or, like you said, the FCC would come down on us okay. pretty hard. So okay. All right, let's, nice. keep, let's keep this clean, like you say. But no, like, like, again, you know, do, do the thing in the place, right? I could you know, do hopscotch in my living room or I could do calculus in Burma. I mean the, 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 the possibilities are endless. We've got to find a way to narrow the field. And I don't know how me as the seeker bears any responsibility for narrowing the field if there's something out there that wants me to find it.
1: Okay, but you're also making a little bit of an assumption that the thing that doesn't want to be found is good at hiding. So, I mean, the whole idea of the game of hide and seek is, you know, someone hides, the other person seeks. But the, you know, the person hiding may not be good at hiding. The person seeking may be better and they may can find them anyway. So, if this God is a real thing that exists and has the attributes such that they they are discoverable... Uh, and there's the ability to be discovered and communicate, then why should we suspect that we couldn't find them anyway?
0: Right. In in principle, we could find them. But in practice, without knowing what we're looking for, I, I couldn't tell you how to find them. Right? Do I need to put on a scuba suit and go under the water? Do I need to just meditate quietly in my room? Do I need to jump in my car and drive the countryside? Um, I... I other than just throwing a dart against a wall with a blindfold on, what's the next step in finding this, this deity if we can't even describe what it is we're trying to find?
1: Okay, so we've got intelligent agent, um, a, a being that is um, a spiritual being as opposed to a physically
0: tangible being.
1: Is that fair? Never mind if what it means
0: um, right, so yeah, I mean it's fair for the sake of this discussion, but you know now the hard work describes so how does one interact or find something spiritual right i mean there's there's this assumption but we, that it's but about we all lo- have looking spirits in.
1: right i mean it's un- under this under this framework I'm, i so i'm I'm not a dualist. Okay, <laughs> I am. I am not a substance dualist. Is that that's a, a real problem for me? But if if the God as defined by Christians is real, then I have a spirit, whether I think I do or not, and therefore that spirit might act as a kind of a spirit Geiger counter. Okay. So I'm, I'm just saying, if there, is a, if there is a spirit being with intelligence out there, and I too am a spirit being with intelligence, then that might suggest that there is a way uh, to, to make contact or identify or recognize uh, a god if we got within proximity.
0: Yes, like I said, in principle, it suggests that. But I, would, like, I wouldn't even know what the next step is to, do, to doing that. I mean, there's, there are scientific reasons, um, scientific explanations for you know, our, our mental lives, what's you know the brain creates thoughts, there's consciousness. We don't know all of it or where it comes from and, and, and what it's all about. But, but there's enough science there that if what you're telling me, for instance, is to look inward, to feel the spirit, how do I know that that's not just my naturally science-explained, you know, personal inner thoughts, thoughts. Because I can't, I can't delineate between those two things.
1: Basic belief. <laughs> don't,
0: so, don't hit me. So, don't hit me. <laughs> I've, if, if I could reach through the phone, I, I might, but, um, right. So, you know, if we're getting to properly basic beliefs, then again, we're just saying we're assuming the conclusion, okay. right? There, there's Maybe. no, there's no process to get there,
1: but it could be that we have to assume the conclusion for the sake of the search. I'm not sure. Um, uh, because I'm, I'm trying to make it as possible to do this search as I can, because I want to do the search. Um, right. So, uh, by properly basic belief, I probably uh, am butchering this. I don't. I don't <laughs> believe in properly basic beliefs. But if you know this, if we leave open the door that there is a spirit within us that can communicate with spirits from outside of us. There may be some way of knowing that or feeling that that is different from things that we normally feel. Now, you might say, well, how would you know that? But you would know things that you have normally felt or felt before, and you would be able to say at the very least this was different. This felt different.
0: Yes, I think I think that's right. You would then have the challenge of trying to identify whether this was Spiritual or just some new experience in the channels of, of, of nature that we're aware of already.
1: But I will take that risk. Okay. Uh, so at, I want to at least get to the place where I felt the thing that I now have to de- describe and, and defend. So, yeah, maybe it is just something natural that I feel and that I'm wrong about it. But I can have that discussion once I feel it. So right. uh, just taking the Christian at their word uh, in that there is some way of having a, a strong enough properly basic belief that this thing is true. I, I don't need to believe in properly basic beliefs. I don't even need to understand what a properly basic belief is. All I have to do is experience it and feel strongly enough that I have felt something different. Than, than um, what what I can normally explain by normal human feelings. Now whether I'm right or wrong is irrelevant because I will have felt the thing, and and we can go from there. And by the way, I don't I don't actually mind being wrong. This is I, I know how strange it sounds. I, just give me the experience. I'll evaluate whether I'm right or wrong about it later. Um. I've, uh, when I was a Christian, so I used to, I used to pray for a vision, even if what that vision uh, means is that I had to get a a deadly brain tumor to get it. Just give me the, just give me the vision. I would, I would die happy with that vision and I would not care what some doctor found in my head. I would know that I got that vision and that tumor as a result of my search for God. And that would be sufficient for me. So if the properly basic belief comes into in the form of a vision or if it comes in the form of me hearing voices in my head, I'll take that, too. You know, that's that's a starting point. We can talk about that. But I've never even gotten that much.
0: Right. So the question is, again, which is where I think you've been on the boards and on our last conversation, you're asking what practical things can you do? To generate this vision and that assumes that there are things practically you can do to get the vision right as we've already talked about at length some people get the vision without asking for it some people get the vision but don't recognize it some people never get the vision so you know how do you know which camp you fall into how do you know which which category of of subject of, of God are you right um, may, I, maybe get
1: I just want to establish though that there might be a way of identifying God because he 's a spirit and we 're a spirit, uh, and that we can have some knowledge that we made contact uh, via some type of uh, visionary or internal conviction that it happened i'm not I'm, I'm purposely not defining those things um, strictly because the Christian doesn't define them very much, but they do believe that these are valid methods of, of epistemology. So I am willing to accept those methods, at least to start with, if, if this is how they tell me that God presents himself.
0: Right, and that's where I think, I think that's where I would push back. I think they aren't valid methods of epistemology. That's the whole point, is I'm not, why would I purposefully take on a bad process if I know that the process has got no support, that it's going to work or, or, get, a, or get to an end game, I, can, you know, I, I, could, I could roll seven die, and then I can pick a number at random and call that person, and then I can go to the fifth place that they mention in the call, and that's going to lead me somewhere. But why would I assume that where I ended up was, was some place of meaning? It, it was completely random. So if, if I'm just thinking inwardly about God and I have some thought, and now I attribute that thought to having come from God, just by telling you the process I used to get there, you know that it's, it's, it's got no basis in reality.
1: Maybe, and um, I'm not really arguing against that. But I'm also thinking about, uh, so there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Um, I'm a Trek fan. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh,
0: there I'm, are... I'm, a Star, I'm a Star Wars fan, so maybe you and I are going to have some, some battles about that.
1: Oh, we do. Uh, there's there is a problem there, um, but yes, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tr- Trekker. Um, and there's a, there's an episode, there, there are actually a few episodes of uh, Voyager, where uh, Chakotay uh, does a vision quest, and uh, he uh, he uh, enlists his friends to go on vision quests and speak to their their spirit animal. Um, he does this with Torres. He does this with uh, Janeway, and um, so he's a modern person. He's from a Native American descent, but he's a mo- modern person. Uh, he's one who, growing up, was attracted to the sciences and uh, who um, rejected uh, the, the mystical past and so forth. But you know, he he retains some appreciation of his culture. Uh, and so, whenever he uh, invites, you know, one of his friends to go on one of these vision quests, they always point out, "Look, <laughs> you know, you what you're what you're doing is you're either smoking a hallucinogen, <laughs> or uh, you are using this piece of technology that uh, induces a state of hallucination, and then you're going through, uh, usually some some." time where you're hungry and you're hot and you're sweaty. And so you're, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where there's a classic um, potential for hallucination. Why should we even do this? (laughs) You know, but out of, out of friendship, (laughs) you know, they, they will uh, do this thing. They'll try it. And sure enough, they'll have a vision and so forth. And it's up to each individual to determine whether that vision is veridical or not and, and whether it really speaks into their life or not. And so it's, it's kind of an individual thing and I'm just saying, okay, I will, I will go into your teepee and I will smoke your hashish uh, and use your technology and, and try to experience this vision quest and, and find my spirit animal. And, and I, after that, I will determine whether it was vertical or, or not, uh, as best I can. But at the very least, I need to examine the first proposition that a person can do this at all. So that, that's what it is for me. I'm, I'm exploring the first proposition that one could come to something that they might think of a god in this way.
0: Right. And then, say you had a vision that you know, I was going to wear a green shirt three days from now. The only way to determine whether your vision was veridical is to check in with me three days from now to see if I'm wearing a green shirt. What is the um, analogy to God in this situation? If I have a vision of God, that God's going to save me, then the only way to prove that that's true is to have it bear out in reality. Show me God saving me.
1: Well, and that's so- where the properly basic belief comes in. And I would, I would just have to determine... After having the vision, whether this is something I truly believe or not, you know, if it, if it is a properly basic belief, as Dale and Plantica describe it, then I will have no choice but to believe it.
0: Right. And, and I think that's why properly basic beliefs involve a fair amount of question begging, right? It's true because I say it's true. So there it is. It's true.
1: Right. I I can't prove to someone else that my properly basic belief is true, but I would at least be able to convince myself that it is. And that's, you know, I can't can't have an experience of God that would convince you, but I at least want the kind of experience of God that can convince me, even if it means I've got a brain
0: tumor. Right. And if you have a brain tumor, then we would know why you were having this belief and we wouldn't have to attribute it to God, right?
1: No. We would just know that I have a brain tumor and it could be that God communicating to me causes brain tumors.
0: Right. And then you would need to run an experiment where God's doing stuff and not doing stuff and we'll see when the brain tumors are coming.
1: But I wouldn't need to run that experiment because I would be convinced that God is speaking to me. You would need to run that experiment
0: to believe me, but I wouldn't need to. Right, and I'm saying that you're, you're, you're being very gullible. You're, you're not stress-testing your beliefs to make sure that they have good foundations and are, and are true.
1: I understand that. I, 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 I completely appreciate that. And yet, I don't know how to be a seeker of the mystical without it. So let's say we weren't talking about God at all. Let's say that we were talking about some Native American spirits. I, I would have to go through something like what I described with the, with the Chakoti and his spirit animal thing, you know, some kind of spirit quest. And you might say, well, you know what? The process there is flawed and the conclusions would be flawed. But if I'm going to honestly seek, and this is how they say you find it, um, you know, because maybe their spirit works through, you know, what looks like a flawed process to us. Maybe that's the only way they manifest. Okay, let's give it a try. That's all I can do. the The only other thing I can do is say, well, I'm, then I'm not going to seek.
0: Right. I, I guess the, the the part I'm struggling with, and I and I, I I can get behind what you're saying as as a way of you trying to demonstrate openness, as you extending some sort of you know, olive branch or what have you to the other side where you're going you're gonna to give it a go. You're, you're going you're gonna to try to make this happen. The problem is, 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 is again, it's self-referential, right? You're saying that these things are true because I say they're true. But that's not how we get to truth, right? We have to compare it to the empirical, to the real. And if, if what you're saying is the stuff is real but not empirical, then I, I don't have any way of knowing whether it's a complete hallucination or it's real. Right. You don't.
1: And I think that's part of the. I think that's part of the problem and part of the the solution, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because for the Christian, their belief is completely unfalsifiable, and clearly their God likes appearing in ways that are that are not falsifiable. So He does appear in the vision. He does appear in the hallucination. He he appears after you've fallen off your horse and hit your head. That's that's when He talks <laughs> to you. So it it could be that the only way to get to the real God is to have one of these experiences where he likes to hide.
0: Right, and then you would need to find a way of separating out that it was a real experience from God and not just the result of you hitting your head without a gun.
1: And I and I would say if I'm speaking for the Christian, no what you actually would need is uh, to simply determine whether you have faith in that experience or not.
0: Right. So uh, so you've introduced the word faith here. So we're moved on from, you know, things that we can demonstrate are real. We've gone to the I'm going to believe it because I want to believe it. And if that's all they're saying they're doing is I believe it because I want to believe it, then fine, then we're done. Because I, I have no pushback for you, you believe whatever the heck you want, but you can't come at me with this is something I should believe if it's completely and, and entirely um, contributed to your own volition that you're just choosing to believe it because you want to.
1: So this experiment of trying to find God is not any way to help someone who's not in the search find God. Once again, it's not like Christians are helping me figure this out.
0: <laughs> so right.
1: I'm having to create a bit of fanfic to make this happen. <laughs> uh, so I, I grant that I might get some of this wrong, but this is what I'm left to do. Uh, right. I, don't, I don't have anything else to work with except my own experience as a Christian. Uh, so it could, it could very well be that one does have to at least want to believe, in order to believe. So if if that means setting myself up for an an experience that I cannot distinguish between uh, a, a non-veridical experience, that's what I'll do. And and then and then see what I think about it after that. Because if there is some kind of magic in this, where God is communicating with me, He will cancel out my my um, impulse for reason and logic, and and I'll be babbling on like Christians uh, talking about properly basic beliefs. And and if He is not there, He won't be able to cancel out my um, my my analytical side. So I'm not I'm not going to throw my analytical side away. It's still there, but you know if this is how God talks to you, I want to give him a chance to talk to me in the in the uh, illusion
0: right, and I, 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 I really applaud you for, 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 do, for, for, for going down. you're going deeper than this road than I expected it to, but I, I think it's, I think it's hopefully uh, showing uh, the sincerity that we opened the show talking about. Uh, my reaction to this a little bit is, is it impossible? Uh, you know, think about, think about completely pure water and then downstream is a glass. And then the only thing in between the pure water and the glass is a dirty filter. You know, it's, it is impossible for the glass to get at the pure water. If the only way the water comes down is through the dirty filter. I have a, I have a, a feeling like this is a good analogy for, you know, we're flawed mortal human beings how is it possible to glean divine info if the only way we're doing it is through a dirty filter, which is ourselves? How we can't confirm these things as true we have no mechanism for identifying them. we don't know whether we're just eluding ourselves or we're getting genuine inputs. It might just be there's there's a there's a there's an observer error here there's just no way you can get to this information because of the tools we have at our disposal
1: yeah well so there are other. Uh, Star trek uh, Voyager episodes that I could cite uh for this, but uh let me go with uh the movie uh, contact I think that was the, I, name of the movie
0: i love i love that movie absolutely yeah. loved it yeah
1: me too it was it was it was brilliant um, and you know in in that last scene. You know, yeah, spoiler. We're spoiling a what twenty thirty year old movie now.
0: Um, <laughs> I think we're outside the spoiler window. I think we're good here. Yeah,
1: um, but we'll just set off the spoiler horn anyway. <laughs> okay, that,
0: yeah. that was fun. We should we should do that more often on the show. No, you will never do that <laughs> <more> again. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> So, um, so, Sound the alarm, skeptic alarm sound it. <laughs> yeah.
1: we, We're going to have to workshop the alarm um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, in that movie uh, the lady... She follows the instructions after they failed to follow the instructions the first time and their ship blows up or whatever. Uh, She follows the instructions. She goes in there. They don't have a chair, uh, nothing like that. And she goes and she talks to the aliens and she comes back. And the people at Mission Control are like, okay, well, that didn't work. Because from their perspective, nothing happened. She didn't go anywhere. And from her perspective she went across space and time and talked had a had a nice chat with some aliens um and so it might be something like that it it might be that there is nothing that our sensors can measure to prove that i had this supernatural encounter with a supernatural being and why would our sensors be able to measure that um but if i go on the journey anyway and follow the instructions i might in fact have an encounter uh, that I can never explain to anyone else. And I might come back sounding like a babbling idiot and I'm willing to risk that.
0: Right. So as I recall, you know, a couple of things from thinking about this particular example from the movie. Um, one was, is I, am pretty sure it's, it was Jodie Foster's character that we're talking about. I'm pretty sure she admitted in you know, in, this, in the trial at the end of the movie that, you know, she, she, she has to use her, her, her skeptical faculties to realize that, yes, it is possible that everything I'm transmitting to you is completely a product of my own brain. And it, I didn't go anywhere and nothing happened. But that's what I'm reporting to you, that it felt real. So let me, let me just report to you that it felt real. It's a great analogy for how, what we're being told, you know, from Christians and their experience with God. So, you know, I, 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 I actually thought she was great to actually be able to be honest in that moment about how this appeared to other people. Um, however, there was one particular part of the movie that that's a little different than this, which is there was some empirical information that she went somewhere else. It wasn't it that her, you know, she had a video recorder that, you know, recorded nothing but static, but it recorded three hours worth of static when she really fell through the, the pod for only, you know, a couple of seconds. Right. So there was, there was some empirical evidence that something happened that could at least be the beginning of searching for exactly what happened to her.
1: Right, and, and it could be that that happens with uh, contact with God. So maybe I don't have a brain tumor before I go on the journey, and I communicate with God, and I have a brain tumor afterward. And you might say, well, people develop brain tumors all the time. But I could say, well, my brain was perfectly healthy before that. So I can't, can I pro- is that proof? No. But it's empirical evidence that something happened.
0: Right. And so I, I, I guess what I come back with is if this is the way that God wants to communicate with us, then he's, he's stacking the deck against you know, um, evangelism. He's stacking the deck against apologetics. If you're telling me that you know, the only way in principle to experience him is your own first-person experience and no one else will ever believe you and you won't be able to prove it to anybody else, then, then what's he doing, right? That, that seems like a trickster god. That seems not, doesn't seem like the kind of god that I'm being pitched uh, in this situation. So you know, I would, I would start to think things about this god if you're telling me that this is indeed the way he wants to communicate with us.
1: Well, so that, uh, that leads us to the next question, maybe should have been a question before this, which is, does this God, by your best estimation of the Christian story, does this God want to be found?
0: Right, and I, and I, have, to, I have to conclude from where I sit today with my life experience, that at the very least, he doesn't want to be found by me right now. If he's demonstrating himself to other people in ways that they can't show to me, then at the very least, I have to conclude that, I, that he doesn't want to be found by me at this point in time.
1: But might one's persistence be a point in their favor? God God doesn't want to be found at this time, but they persist looking anyway. And he, and he says, okay, you win. Here I am. Is, isn't that possible?
0: Right. In principle, it's possible. But what if my persistence involves me running on a treadmill? Am I, am I doing right by God? Am I being persistent in finding God by running on a treadmill?
1: Well, I would think that as long as your search is honest, whatever you try uh, should be considered righteousness.
0: Right. And again, from the outside perspective, how do you identify whether someone's doing it honestly or not?
1: Well, an outsider can't, but I can. And so let's say I insist on searching for God, kind of like the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, I don't really like that comparison.
0: <laughs> I was, I was going to say that's so <laughs> Kind of like the
1: Ethiopian stud. Um, he, <laughs> so, um, uh, Yeah, he was searching for God in his way. Um, and God sent an evangelist to, uh, to teach him the the right way. And, and it was an evangelist who would be convincing to this person. And furthermore, this, uh, eunuch, uh, received the gift of the Holy Spirit so that he could, you know, had some miraculous gifts. He could speak in tongues and such, you know, there was, there was some kind of empirical evidence Built into that, if you will. But it started with the eunuch uh, doing the best he could with what he had. It, it didn't start with the evangelist. It started with the eunuch.
0: Right. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate, I guess, is... If I honestly don't know how to find God, how can I honestly do anything in search of this God? Like So I, you know, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't think I could find God from running on a treadmill. But how do I know that that's not the way you find God? Maybe that's, maybe that's the, the missing piece. How would I know?
1: You know? And once again, I don't think it matters. I don't think it would have mattered, for instance, what the eunuch did. Uh, as it happens, the eunuch uh, gave money to uh, charity in his, you know, what would have been considered charity, uh, and he prayed to God, even though he didn't really know uh, who God was. So he he did some things proactively, uh, and you know, there's a place in the Bible where it says God doesn't hear a sinner's prayer. So uh, one of the challenges is, well, this eunuch was a sinner, and he was praying, and it seems like God heard him. So we, we don't know exactly how that works, uh, but I, I don't think it would have mattered. Uh, what this eunuch did Maybe this eunuch would have started an animal rescue Because he thought that that would be honoring God The point is God saw his efforts And counted it as righteous.
0: Okay, so whatever So can't, uh, can I backfill And just say that whatever I'm doing Currently with my life Is that same search So me talking to you on the fo- is, is me talking to you on the phone right now part of the search Could be if,
1: if you think of it as a part of the search, if you think of this as a part of your active search process.
0: Okay. So like I said, I, I don't have any intellectual reason to think that you and me talking on the phone is part of my search for God. I don't have any re- reason to think that my drinking milk at the beginning of the day has anything to do with my search for God. But you're telling me that it literally could be anything. So, I mean, should I should just try stuff, different things.
1: I think that you should if you want to search for God and find him you should ch- try the things that you think he would want you to do. And and if if you don't have anything more than what you can imagine that he wants you to do and and you use your best guesses and your most sincere effort to do it I think he would honor that.
0: Okay. So then I'm um, so then I feel confident in where i am right because i you know it took me a while when i deconverted it wasn't overnight you know it took a while you know i prayed as part of my deconversion asking for you know the the evidence of things unseen and what have you uh, and you know from my perspective nothing came but what you're saying is is it's possible it came and i missed it or it hasn't come yet or part of my search is that he wanted me to deconvert and then end up in skeptics and seekers and talking to you about ethiopian eunuchs i mean this is so you know like, like i said you could backfill anything into this process. What I'm hoping to do is to have good reason to start a new process that's going to yield results.
1: Right. So a lot of this is post-hoc rationalization, to be sure. Uh, we're we are creating fanfic and we're um, doing some retconning. Um, absolutely. I, I admit that, but that's, that's the best we can do right now. And so I still think that's a reasonable process if it's the best you can do. Uh, so that said, if 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 this God is there, uh, please don't let me say mullinism, mullinism. Oh God, you let it out of my mouth. Um,
0: <laughs> you just you're grabbing all the, the third, fourth, and fifth rail. You're grabbing them all. Uh, yeah, and and peeing on them, which I understand is not <laughs> not good.
1: Bad idea, bad idea. Um, yeah, but if, so if you, if you say that God maybe has his reasons for wanting to get you and me out of the church that we were in, uh, I could make a case for that. Because you could say, well, the type of Christianity you were in was bad. And if you had continued down that path, you would have ended up in hell. Because you weren't, you weren't actually close to me at all. So the only way I could get you closer to me is to get you out of that and and make you look at this proposition from uh from a different place.
0: Right. I can I can I can get I can understand that conceptually. I can get behind that being a a, a reasonable hypothesis. But you know, this This starts to sound to me like, you know, nothing that happens is against God's will, right? Everything that happens is, is according to his will. But I don't see Christians, you know, celebrating atheists and nonbelievers and skeptics. I don't see them celebrating abortion doctors, and I don't see them celebrating trans people. You know, there's a lot of things they think are, are against God's will, and they're trying to get them to change. But, you know, according to this paradigm, you know, doing exactly what I'm doing, which seems on its face— To be counter to God's will is exactly God's will. So I don't understand how anybody could be criticized for anything if everything is happening according to God's will.
1: Well, and perhaps the the spark that gets you to search for God is me.
0: So. No that that would be quite a that would be quite a Stephen <laughs> King novel we're crafting here. Dude.
1: Well, I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, if you want to give God, uh, you know these these superpowers and, and credit for having a masterful plan with lots of twists and turns and plot points, we can write a story where this wouldn't make sense. So I don't believe any of it. But if, if we're just saying, well, but could something like that be possible? Yeah, it could be possible to explain it. Now, I, once again, I still don't believe this God exists. I'm just trying to find a framework for searching for this God in the first place. So we've we've described a little bit uh, of what he might be, a spirit, and how we might uh, discover that our spirit uh, communicates with his spirit and maybe that is in some kind of phenomenal um uh way of discovering something uh quite mystical that doesn't mean anything to anyone else but would mean uh something to us uh and you know maybe it is possible for us to discover uh this god by us doing the best we can uh if if we are sincerely uh, trying. So what, what are some of the things that we could sincerely try? And I say we, I'm not expecting you to go on this journey with me, but what are some of the things I could sincerely try? Well, the Ethiopian eunuch, if I recall correctly, he prayed uh, to God. Now, I'm not much of a praying person because that assumes worship, and I'm not convinced that worship is the right thing to, to do. Uh, If there's a God that said, I have come up with a framework where I can, you know, do something like praying uh, to a God that I don't don't believe. And so my analogy is if you hear a noise in the night, uh, you might get up uh, and, uh, you know, grab your golf club or, you know, whatever you've got near your bed, your baseball bat and, uh, you know, step, (laughs) step out of your room and say, who's there? Now, who are you talking to when you say that?
0: Uh, someone that I'm very nervous about finding out is, is beyond the, the darkness, unless it's just one of my kids, right? I guess that's, that's the benign answer.
1: Right, but it, in, in most human experience, it's, it's fair to say that the, the highest probability is that no one's there at all. So let's say that no one's there. Who are you talking to when you say who's there? Myself. Yourself, but you're directing it outward at something, someone, or the idea of something anyway. You are saying a thing out loud, direct it outward, and whether there's anyone there or not, we can understand within the human experience that it does make sense to at least uh, call out that challenge. Now, you wouldn't call that praying, but, but that's a way that I am able to look at talking to a God that I don't think is there.
0: Right. I, I, I get what you're saying with that. Um, and I think because part of what you're doing when you're calling out is announcing yourself You're sending, you know, you're, you're not just probing so much as you're signaling. Um, but you know, again, I, I'm not expecting there to be, you know, a, a nine foot chameleon, you know, wearing a cowboy hat to, to come back through the darkness at me. You know, I, have got some idea of what I'm expecting on the other side of my call. Uh, but as we've talked about, we, we literally have no idea what is on the other side of that call. So, you know, say my television goes on automatically. Is that God or is that just I got a bad wiring in my, in my television, right?
1: Well, it, I don't know. Maybe that's how God and Bumblebee talks. Uh, except it would be radio with Bumblebee. Um, so when you – Transformers, people.
0: Right. Yeah, I get it. Tra- Transformers. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So I, I think it's fair to say, <gasps> God, are you there? I don't know who you are. I don't know what form uh, you're taking. I don't know if you can hear this. I don't know if you can understand it. But whoever you are, uh, that might be, it's, uh, you know, we sent SETI It's been sending radio transmissions into space for a long time. We have no idea what could possibly receive those transmissions. But it's our way of speaking into the void and saying, hey, are you there?
0: Right. So I I think that's a
1: fair... Way to proceed uh I don't think it needs to be formalized in any particular way. I have no reason to believe that this this being we're thinking of as God needs some kind of formal communication, especially from someone who doesn't believe him but i don't i it doesn't cost me anything to say from time to time several times uh, throughout the day, Hey God, are you there could you could you make yourself known to me Now, if Christians have a problem with this approach, uh, you should let me know, skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com, skepticsandseekers skepticsandseekers at uh, gmail.com. I would like to hear from you, but otherwise, uh, short of that, I I just kind of have to create my own prayerful style communication um, and try it. It seems like if I am able to ask the question, and if there is someone out there who can hear it, it is on them to answer me. And if they don't answer me, in whatever way they answer me, I just need to be, quote-unquote, open to the number of ways they could answer me. But if I don't get anything uh, or anything that I can recognize, I don't see how that's my fault. But I, I can at least speak into the void and try.
0: Yeah, I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I give you a lot of credit. I, I can get behind that. Um, sort of strategy. I still think we, we are, we're struggling with a, uh, you know, a mechanism issue here. But if what you're saying is, is, is literally anything of that nature should be a, a, a better first step than nothing, then sure. You know, let's, let's take the first step together. That's fine.
1: Right. Because the, the whole idea is not for God to convince me to be able to convince you. It's just right. for him to convince me. I'm the one looking for him. <laughs> so um, it doesn't matter if what convinces me convinces you. Don't care.
0: <laughs> uh, search for your own damn God.
1: <laughs> you know? well,
0: well, since you're being so, so uh, inviting here, David, yeah, I, I, thanks for having me on the call. <laughs>
1: I can't I can't say that what would work for you would work for you but if you've got better suggestions I'll take them <laughs> Anybody I um so um th- that's the prayer aspect um I got to tell you I don't want to go to church I would go to church but I went to more church uh than the average person is ever going to go in a lifetime and you can say, well, but you went to the wrong denomination. You went to one of those one of those uh poison churches. Yeah, okay, great. But I, I was actually a leader in three different denominations. So maybe all three of them were poison. I actually visited I used to have a website called churchvisitor.com where I would go to different denominations and record the services and have interviews with the people and the preachers and so forth. I uh I've tried a lot of churches. Okay, so um church was my business. Uh, I, I did a lot of church, so I'm not terribly excited <laughs> about going and visiting some of the churches around here. Um, they, they scare me, <laughs> frankly. Um, the last time it, I went to church was like a couple, couple years ago and I just thought I would try it and it was awful.
0: Yeah. I, I haven't been to a regular church service in a long time. I'm pretty sure it would feel pretty jarring to do so. Obviously, I've been in church for weddings and funerals and what have you. Uh, But I think, I'm pretty sure Teddy on a past show said we don't have to go to church, right? She doesn't go. So I think we're off the hook. We're all set. I think, think to be fair to
1: Teddy, she thinks that we should go, but it's not uh, necessary to go to heaven or to have a good relationship with God. But, you know, it's one of those things he would rather you do,
0: but... It's it's understandable if you don't. It's a nice a nice to have, not a must have. I right, guess right. In that parlance, okay. Teddy,
1: you can clear that up for us. I'm not. I'm actually. I'm not trying to strawman your position on that.
0: Um, no, absolutely not. This is a, this is a no strawman zone. Yeah. David. So, um,
1: yeah, but I can tell you that my experience going to church as an atheist, and I've done it several times, actually, uh, it, it hasn't been good. And I've tried to go with as much of an open mind as possible. And um, I end up actually feeling worse about Christianity than before I went. <laughs> that's That's been my experience every time. Um, so... You know, if, if someone says I need to encounter God, I, you know, at church, I'm just, I'm very hesitant about that. And yet I know that there's that passage in the Bible that says where two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of them." So does that count on the internet? You know, if two or three are gathered together in his name on the internet, can I join a forum, for instance, um, and get the same benefit? I I I wouldn't mind trying that. You know, know, finding some Christian discussion groups and uh, joining in. But my experience with church is that I've experimented with this so many times. It's a little bit like reading the Bible. I've done it so many times. Uh, I've simply not... I feel like I've run that particular experiment and gotten no results. And so I'm just wondering if there's another method of being where two or three are gathered in his name. Besides going to church
0: right, and there's but there, you know there's the issue that if going to church is a communal activity right but we've already gotten to a place where these you know our communication with God is necessarily personal it 's got nothing to do with other people right so yeah I, I I think there's a good reason to think that that's not necessarily part of the equation to get to God
1: except that he says there I will be in the midst of him, and so in some way you're you're calling down the presence of God among you in a church service. Um, And so my, my rationalization is if God is going to be at a place, a known location and you want to encounter him, Maybe you should try showing up at that known location <laughs> to, uh, to see if you encounter him. And, and uh, a place where two or three are gathered in his name is a known location where he says he will be.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand, you know, the interpretation of the Bible verse there. But, you know, like you say, if you've been at what point do you have to give up, right? Is, is church for you like knocking on that door is the salesman and just nobody's answering.
1: So I think what I will do to substitute going to church is to find a good uh Christian site. Not even a Christian atheist site, a Christian
0: site. Uh how about um how about ChristianMingle dot com? Why don't you go there, Dan? Don't 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 test me. <laughs> don't. <laughs> I want I want you to bring your first date from Christian Mingle onto the podcast. I want to see how that went. That that would be hard to explain to my wife. Tell her hard. it's in the, it's in the service of the deity. I, mean, I, this is... I have
1: already said things of this nature that have gotten me in trouble. I'm a slow learner. <laughs>
0: but no, like, no yeah. stone unturned. Just remember that no stone unturned.
1: <laughs> there will be no stone thrown
0: at my uh, <laughs> left, left be thrown at my head. But, exactly. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I will do that. Now, uh, Christians, do you have any suggestions of, uh, Christian sites? Uh, otherwise I will find my own and, uh, I will make a profile and I will, uh, at least visit, uh, maybe do some church service online, uh, Maybe there's something in the online community that works better today for me uh, than walking into uh, old half empty dusty buildings uh, so that would that's another way that I can search for god uh, you know i don't i don't expect much from it, but i don 't know i don't expect anything from any of this anyway but th- this is just one of the ways I can come up with for the search uh, as we are um rounding it out here yeah we're uh, we're right on the two hour mark can you think of some other ways that i might uh embark on this search
0: let's see I, I like i like your idea of the the internet church i think that's that's a good combination of getting you exposure without you needing to schlep around in the car so I get where you're coming from with that. How about, um, let's see, how, how about getting some alternative Christian voices to not, not tell us what we should do to believe, but tell us how it is that they came to believe, what their, what their process was and what the confirmation looked like, maybe getting some case studies that we can pour through and see if we can find a, a straight line through there.
1: You know, that might be an interesting um, thing to do for the show. Uh, if we can invite some guests uh some Christian guests to talk about what um what converted
0: them exactly see if we can see if we can find the the grain of truth in the beach of indecision right so uh
1: not even probing interviews so much uh nothing to challenge the christian, just a way for them to uh give their testimony, if you will. Um I think that a lot of shows like this uh are are guilty of this. We don't want to actually hear the testimony of, of someone and and have them make an altar call and that sort of thing. We want to have a conversation. But I think maybe um maybe an an honest search in using the medium that I have and the microphone that I have and the audience that I have left. um, It may be a fair thing to give some Christians a chance to make their pitch uh, and and give their particular testimony as to what converted them. Uh, I think that would be an interesting thing to, to, learn more about. Now, I, I have some judgments about what it is that, why Christians believe, but just setting aside my judgment, it, it may be useful to listen to Christians talk
0: about why they believe. Exactly. And maybe maybe there's, you know, the idea of the dirty filter, right? If we're getting it right from the horse's mouth, maybe, maybe there's something we're missing in translation that you would, that would fall out if you let them kind of speak in their own words in the judgment-free zone.
1: I'm pretty sure that a horse's mouth is worse than my dirty filter. So you can drink the water that comes out of a horse's mouth. I'll go with the
0: filter. I'm just just doing the best that I can here, right? Playing (laughs) with the tools that God has given me.
1: (laughs) So, um, okay, that's actually a good idea. So uh, Christians, uh, and I know that there are plenty of you in the audience who uh, never raise your hand uh if you'd like to come on the show and uh talk about your experience uh any any experiences of god that you have had and maybe just talk about the reasons why you believe uh and do it in a safe zone where you're not going to be challenged uh and kicked around we we i really want to hear from you uh and see if any of that speaks to me um drop me a line skeptic seekers at uh gmail Dot com. uh The the bar for getting on the show is so low. Is so low. <laughs>
0: we... <laughs> I'm sitting right here, Dave. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what I mean is, my mic is still on. This is not. This is not a postscript. I'm still here. If you can send me an email. <laughs> if you... If your fingers can work a keyboard, you can be on the show. You can
1: it's really a low bar, people. So <laughs> I mean, I'm on the show for Pete's sake. So um yeah, I wanna I wanna talk to you more more to the point. I wanna hear from you. Uh so this this might be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll see what I can find. I've I've actually got some feelers out too. Uh, some other Christian voices that uh, the audience may not be familiar with uh, to talk about some specific topics. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, would be interested in doing that. Brian, would you, uh, would you like to uh, be a, a person who sits in on those shows as a moderator slash questioner? Um, because it would, it would be nice to have another perspective. Uh, on this yeah
0: I th- yeah I, th- I mean I, I, you know I, I think I think that would be something that I could I could bring something to the table. I'm certainly interested in the outcome of that, so yeah, I think you know as long as I'm over that low bar as we're talking about, I'm happy to, to play the role.
1: yeah, um, <laughs> honestly, the, but let me tell you how low the bar is.
0: <laughs> All you have to do is say
1: yes. <laughs> we, we will make it work, <laughs> so. Um, okay so i think i think that's a good baseline here i I have one or two well actually i think i will drop my conclusion in so if you don't mind allow me to um just spend a couple of minutes on my concluding thoughts
0: yeah i'm i'm the host today you're the guest so please you you do your thing other gods
1: um am i doing the wrong thing by seeking the christian god only because by by seeking the Christian God only, it seems like there has to be some buy-in into the Christian God story, which is that he is the only God. Also that he is a jealous God. So you get the sense that he wouldn't wouldn't much appreciate me seeking uh, other gods, even if there were other gods to be found. So if I were to to seek other gods, At the same time, as I was seeking the Christian God, that might be construed as, well, you're not really, excuse me, sincere about seeking God. This is a conundrum for me, because I am sincere about unearthing any God that there might be. Uh, Because it could be that the Christian God is not the God, or maybe he's not the only God. Maybe he's a God who walks around with his chest puffed out saying, oh, I'm the only God, and all the other gods are saying, yeah, there he goes again. So um, how do you conduct an honest search for quote-unquote God and not leave that open for all possible gods? And then if I do get a a hit on a God being open to all gods, how do I know which God I got? Um, So there's some challenges here in the kind of search that I am embarking on. And I think one of the biggest uh, challenges is just uh, determining if it's truly an honest search for God, if I've only narrowed it down to one God and excluded the other gods. And if I keep it open for other gods, can I also keep it open for Satan, who is another god as far as I'm concerned? Uh, so while I am praying to God and calling out into the void and asking if he's there, would it also be okay for me to, uh, work a Ouija board five minutes a day? I, I don't, I don't know the answers to these questions, but it seems like an honest search for God has to include, um, a, a broader, uh, area to search in, in a broader, um, grouping of gods, possible gods to look for. Because if I if I only search for the Christian God, then I've, once again, I've narrowed down, and I've, I've put limits on my search. And so in the same way that Christians would say, well, you know, searching for one month limits the amount of time and therefore makes your search void, it seems like searching for only one God limits my search and makes it insincere. What's the answer to that? It's, it's, a, it's an honest question. I don't know the answer. And so I'm asking... Um, the uh, the readers of the blog and the listeners of this podcast to um, share with me on that. Um, what what are your thoughts, Brian? What are your thoughts?
0: So I think I think this was a really interesting conversation. I'm actually, you know, patting myself on the back, patting you on the back, David. I'm I'm impressed at how much credence we gave to the process that we can use, the methods we can use, the openness that we're trying to display to see if we can get to find God. Um, you know, I, I think I had a lot of pushback along the way. I still feel pretty good about my positions on those things, but you pressed on nonetheless. Uh, so I'm convinced. I'm convinced that you're sincere. I'm convinced that you're open. And what I really think we need, like we've talked about, is we need the Christians to come back at us to give us the way, give us the path. Give us the methods, and you know, there's some things worth trying. So you know, I'm up for dabbling with the Ouija board if that's what it's going to take. You know, I can shout into the void, golf club in hand, to see if there's anything answering. Uh, like you said in the blog, I will not dance naked at the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl, but you know, fully clothed, I might be able to do a jig if I was given an invitation. So Actually, you won't be
1: dancing a jig. You'll be doing the kabuka.
0: <laughs> That's right. I'm going to need to work on my my uh, my my process for that so that I can unveil it uh, when the time is right. But but yeah, I I feel like we're closer. I feel like we're in the right channel of um of mindset and uh readiness. Uh I'm now just waiting for the I'm waiting for the blueprints. I'm waiting for, you know, the aliens to send down the blueprints for the pod like in the movie Contact like we talked about. So, let's see if that uh let's see if that comes down.
1: Okay. Well, In the meantime, uh, the uh, episode of Skeptics and Seekers that you were expecting to hear today, uh, which is uh, Brian versus Teddy on Pascal's Wager. Did I get that right?
0: That was what was originally scheduled, yes. Get well soon, Teddy. Hope, Hope your voice is well.
1: You will hear that next week. I'm not saying that Teddy is faking, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to say that she's not really sick and that she's not having difficulties. But I'm saying that she showed up on the board quite a lot this week. <laughs> I, could, I could virtually hear her voice screaming onto the internet, and it, her voice sounded just fine. Um, she was in fine voice in my head. So um, maybe she is nervous about facing you on this issue? Teddy, is, yeah, that, I, is that what's happening?
0: I, I don't want to presume too much because, you know, I've seen Teddy in action. And I'm certainly, I'm certainly not going to discount my interlocutor. So I'm, I'm ready. I've, I'm steeled. I've got my bear spray. As, yeah, uh, as, I'm just, just going to
1: say it. I think she's she's lying about being sick, and she's scared. She's shaking in her paws. <laughs> I, she's, she's, I a, she's afraid of meeting Brian the bear trapper. Is what she's afraid <laughs> of.
0: Um, I like the uh, I like the skeptics and seekers taking a stir a turn like wee. So they should you know <laughs> we're we're bringing this up a notch. I love it. So uh, yeah.
1: So if if Teddy gets over whatever has got her now, fear, Uh, you will hear her next week facing Brian on the question of Pascal. Trust me, you don't know Pascal until you've heard next week's podcast.
0: See you later. Take it easy.